ready. This is Pod With Me. On today's episode, our guest shares their life story. A story that shows us that we can survive anything. Get ready, because the pod starts now. I was taking care of both of them, actually. Had to clean the house, had to cook, had to do everything at age 13. Now I have a sick mother who's dying on me. A grandfather dies, grandmother dies, mother dies. Boom, I'm alone. Then I come to Florida, and then I get raped. And then he makes sure to tell me if I told a soul he would kill my niece and nephew, and he showed me a gun. Let's go again. Let's get a sound check. Ready. This is Alex J. Aguiar, and you're listening to Pod With Me. I'm here with Nurka, and she's about to tell us her story of survival. I mean, it's an incredible story. First of all, how are you doing? Well, and you? I'm very good. Nurka, this is her first podcast. She can't even say the word podcast. <laughs> tell me about it. I know. Now she knows what a podcast is. Now I know what a podcast is. Can you even say the word? All right. So I heard from the grapevine that you have an interesting story, life story. Um, what makes your story interesting? First, first of all, what do you think the story would resonate with someone out there? Or, you know, what makes it so special or unique? Well, the first thing people always say is, oh my God, how come you're always smiling? Because in life you either choose to be a victim or be a survivor. And, um, I chose to be a survivor, I guess. Um, so, yeah. So, I'm Cuban. I was born in Cuba from a woman that got married at 41 years old. And my father was 46. Had eight kids prior to me with different two different women, I guess. So, I was the last one. The last of the Mohicans, I call it. Um, so, I'm child number nine for my father and the only child of my mother. You don't keep in touch with all of them. And um, you, did you know from the beginning you had all these brothers and sisters? Yes. My mother was an old maid, got married at 41, had me when she was 42. And then when I was four, which was five years after she was married, my father died of lung cancer. But what my mother made sure to do was that all my siblings knew who I was. Um, so my father died when I was four. My mom moved back with her mom and dad because she lived all her life with them. Uh, she was a seamstress, by the way. Um, we from like the country countryside. My first pet was a chicken. So my mom. What was, was the pet's name? Fifidifa. I named her Fifidifa, and I used to dress her in little dresses and everything. A chicken in little dresses? Yes, ma'am. <laughs> and little dresses and everything. I would put her with her legs up and everything. Um, so I I grew up in a very um, shelter, healthy in a way because my mom was like I was her doll. After my father died, I guess all she did was dedicate her life to raise me. So she would brush my hair, she would make my clothes, she would bathe me. She did everything for me. Um, then when I was eight years old, she got sick. And they had given her six months to live. So from not even knowing how to tie my shoes, I had to learn to do it all like in less than four months because she was going to die, right? Um, Funny thing is my grandmother was Mexican, but she lived in in Cuba 56 years. So what we did, um, mm, mm, by the way, going back, my grandmother had eight 
seven kids. Wow. Um, we went to Mexico with the idea to come to the United States to save my mom. That was the idea. So I went to Mexico when I was nine. I left Mexico when I was 14. My grandfather died when I was 11. My mom was diagnosed with the leukemia part, lost her eyesight a year before she passed away. And 23 hours before my mom passed away, my grandma passed away. So from nine to 14, my life just completely changed because from being an only child, being sheltered, being taken care of, now I have a sick mother who's dying on me, a grandfather dies, grandmother dies, mother dies, boom, I'm alone. This family that I had in United States was not the family I grew up with. So I came to United States uh, with a special visa that they give to orphans. And um, they made this big deal out of it. I don't remember it. I don't remember many things. I don't remember my mom. After my mom passed away in front of me, I don't remember. She passed mom. away in front of you? Yeah. In well, the hospital? I was, yeah. I was. So we were very poor. And uh, when my mom lost her eyesight at 13, I became her eyes. So I took care of her. I bathed her. I dressed her. I brushed her hair. I cut her hair. I just became an adult. You to, you know, yeah, you have to grow up fast. What do you think gave you the power to try and take care of everybody? How do you think that happened? Where did that come from? My mom. Yeah. My mom was a very good person. And um, she always taught me to like be good and do good and help people. And even though my mom was sick and my mom knew she was dying, my mom never complained. My mom never said, sorry me. Or, um, I had a really good mom. Um, but what they never understood was that they lost a sister, but I lost a mom. I lost my grandma. I lost my whole family in less than five years, and I didn't know any of them. So it was very difficult for me to be part of the family. That and they weren't understanding what you were going through? No, they had no idea. I was making decisions as an adult in Mexico mm -hmm. at age 13, and now at age 14, I have to behave like a 14-year-old, and I just didn't know how to do it. But at 17, <laughs> um, so now I'm a junior in high school, I'm making really good grades. I decided, oh, you know, everybody at 17 has a boyfriend. I should have a boyfriend too. So without, yeah, my uncles were like, you're not supposed to have a boyfriend until you're 18 and all this. So I ended up having a boyfriend, went to a party without telling them. And remember, this is a very small town. So my uncles were supposed to go somewhere else, but they came back home early, and I was not home. So they make this huge deal. They threw my clothes on the bed, and they told me that I was out and that I needed to go live with my brother in Florida because they couldn't deal with me anymore. So I had saved up my money. So when they accused me of sleeping with my boyfriend, I left. I just bought the ticket and I came to live in Florida. I called my brother. He he was already married with two kids. Did they try contacting you when you left? I didn't contact them. I left and I didn't go back for seven years. I didn't call anybody. I didn't want to talk to them. I was just done with it. When I get to my brother's house, he tells me, you know, you're not supposed to have a boyfriend. You cannot go out. You have to just go to school. So I was like, okay, fine. I'll find a job and I'll pay for it myself. I'll go to the private school. So I started working in Sedanos as a cashier. 
Okay, so that's like a like the Cuban version of Publix. Bottom line, okay. um, terrible, hated it, but it paid my my school. But the thing is, I needed to get rides because I didn't have a car. Um, so you know, I you know you meet people when you're a cashier. People come and go all the time. So I started hanging out with different people, and this guy was very nice to me, and he offered to give me rides to my brother's house. But bottom line, this guy was the one that forced me to have sex with him. So you were where? Tell me, tell me that that experience. You were where? Well, how did that happen? He took you home. He yeah. Well, he would take me home at night. Um, he would do me the favor. I thought. I thought. So there's a couple of times he was taking you home. Yeah, a couple of times he did knew. Did you where ever sense anything that could happen? No, I was yeah. very Naive. trustworthy. Mm-hmm. I I always wanted to see the good in people. I never wanted to see the bad in people, and at that age, I was just very naive, I guess. Yeah, he just took advantage of me, and um, I didn't tell a soul for a whole year. I didn't tell anybody because you felt ashamed, you felt embarrassed, yeah, you felt. I thought it was my fault because you you you, you gave him the opportunity. You yeah, felt? well, yeah, that's how I felt. You that night that, mm-hmm. that he raped you, mm-hmm. it was in the car. Yeah. Okay. Well, actually, mm, it was actually by a little. It was a neighborhood where they had like a fake lake. He took you there? Yeah. And you knew where it was going when he was taking you there? No, because I liked him, right? So he had given me a flower one time, and he was just sweet-talking me. So you thought he was being romantic? Exactly. Exactly. He raped you, and you thought... He started kissing you, see if you gave in first? Mm Mm-hmm, yes. Then when you said no... That's when uh, he forced me, and then when we got back in the car, he told me if I tell a soul, he would... You didn't leave running? Mm Mm-mm. You were, like, shaking? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was scared. Okay, and then he told you at the end he has a gun? Mm-hmm, he showed it to me. He opened the glove compartment of his car, showed me the gun, and said, if you tell a soul, I'll kill your niece and nephew. Because he knew that I lived with my brother who had two little kids. So that was my biggest, I guess, regret was not telling anybody when I was that young because I held on to that for a whole year. So You went back home that night. What were you feeling? What were your thoughts? I was numb. I didn't... I didn't just sit in the shower and cry. And not a friend, not a soul, nobody. I didn't tell anybody. No, nobody knew. You were that scared. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, I was that scared, and I was in high school, and I was studying really hard to get a scholarship. I wanted to get a scholarship because I wanted to go to university because I thought that was the only way that I could move ahead in life because mm-hmm. that's what I was instilled in my brain from my Cuban family. You have to go to college to be able to be successful. Mm-hmm. And so I just concentrated in school. I didn't have a boyfriend. I didn't nothing. Um, so when I, um, since it was a Catholic school, <laughs> we had what was called encounters. Was it an ironic? Okay, uh-huh. Very ironic. A year passes by. Who did you tell? Tell me that conversation. So encounter. Mm-hmm. We were supposed to get like in a circle in school. We went to this retreat um, and we were supposed to write things in a paper and then burn them and you're supposed to let go of that. And so that little group of kids that went to high school with me, those were the ones that I first told. And that was the first reaction. Nobody knew that, were, that I was an orphan. Let's start with that. Because I didn't want nobody to know that I didn't have parents. Cause and you don't want anybody treating you different? You didn't want no, I didn't want everybody to see Podesita. Poor thing. Yeah. Oh, poor thing. In the retreat, that's when they found out that I was an orphan. That's when they found out that I was raped. 
and everybody's eyes were like oh, this big like oh my god how did you do that how, how could you not do the soul and i was like i just didn't you know and how, I, did you feel relieved when you told them i did i felt more at ease with myself because you know i always thought it was my fault so after that um finished high school but you know got a scholarship to to go to st thomas university <laughs> and um that summer <laughs> but you know i was exposed to a lot of different things that before that i i wasn't mm -hmm. so i lost my scholarship a year and a half after mm -hmm. and um It was in that transition of being 19 that I decided, you know what? I just want to have sex. Let's see. If maybe having sex, I stopped being afraid of having sex. I had a boyfriend here and there and then had this boyfriend that got serious. Um, it was around the same time that I lost my scholarship. So I moved in with him. And we lived together for like a year and a half or so terrible because we were so immature arguing all the time so we broke up and then i met my ex and we were together for 23 years um i got i was married for 19 years and with him 23 together and he helped me a lot you know he was not someone that i even looked at before but um he was kind enough that i trusted him mm -hmm. but i was never happy Mm -hmm. with myself i guess you felt something was missing yeah because i never dealt with me and then you had to deal with kids because you had kids right two two kids two boys the part that i left out was that through 22 19 to 22 i identified myself as bisexual ah so that's the missing link that's why you weren't really happy so i guess consider myself you had other feelings you would look at girls and this i always have feelings for girls since i was young so you always knew i always knew but i never wanted to face it because i was raised in a very traditional family in which that's taboo and you've gone through so much and i had gone through so much and i was raised by my uncles that were very traditional and you know And I had to honor my mom's memory. And it was just a lot. A lot of things built up. And so, but you're with your husband so many years. Did he know this? Yes, he knew I was bi. Yeah, so then he was he was happy about that or open about it or... You know how men are. Yeah. Um, He was okay with it, I guess. Okay. Did you experiment? Mm-hmm. Oh, did he know about it? Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. So he was, he was joining. Mm-hmm. Okay. So... Terrible, I, right? Because that was never. No, I mean, I mean, if it's if it's something, I mean, were you in love with him during this time? I I was in love. For, yeah, yes. So you know, you were able to experiment. At least you had, we were with someone that you were able to have, give you an outlet to do some experimenting, and you know, probably for his own benefit as well. Uh -huh. But at the same time, it benefited you, right? Until I had kids. Until you had kids, so everything changed there. Yes, I took motherhood very seriously. Yeah, because it's something, it's something, it just changes you when you have one. Well, I never thought that I was worthy to have a child because I knew, I knew that it took a lot of sacrifice because of my mom. And so I wanted to be as good as a mom as my mom was to me. Did you always want her to have kids or you uh, at the same time? I was scared to have kids 
because after I lost my mom, I didn't allow myself to love. I would just love a little bit mm -hmm. because to me, loving was losing. Right. So I learned not to love that much. So I will stop so myself. you hold yourself back. Yes. But when you had your kids. I couldn't. Yeah. Everything changed. Well, it was just an unconditional love that I only had with my mom. Yeah. You know, so having my son was my biggest gift, my oldest son. And then having my second son was another big gift, right? So, but I concentrated on being a mom. I forgot about me. Eventually, you started having problems with your... I always had problems with my ex because um, I never wanted to have sex. I never enjoyed sex with men. Period. Was, it, was there a moment in the marriage that you said that you felt I wasn't fair to him and that you felt that yeah. maybe you should go to another direction or talk, talk with him? I, I try, you know. I mean, we were not good for each other. We hurt each other a lot emotionally we were very mean to each other and as we got older we just got worse instead of better and um he was very mean with words so was i but he was just very mean with words when was the moment that you guys decided or did you both decide to separate so the first thing that happened to me two years before this happened that i made this decision i broke my leg tore my meniscus tore my acl and broke my tibia all at once and so I was helpless in a way because I couldn't take care of myself because it was my leg. Um, and it was the way that he took care of me, that he was not kind. And I knew what it is to take care of somebody sick because I had to take care of my mom for f three years. And it was just the way he was, not kind, that kind of like, mm, do I want to spend the rest of my life with someone that's so unkind? And then what really scared me was, um, and I'm forgetting about me all this time. So that's what woke me up. One thing, you know, I always have my checkups every year mm -hmm. because my mom died of cancer, my dad died of cancer, and I was afraid of that. So even though both of their cancers were not hereditary, I always had my checkups done every year just to make sure that everything was okay with me. And my thyroid levels were always borderline. But towards the end, like my thyroid levels just were really bad. So I ended up going to um, endocrinologist that diagnosed me with hyperthyroidism. Um, so I had a prayer with God and I, I said, you know, if, if you allow me not to have cancer, I'll leave my life as honest as I can with myself. And um, when that happened, I said, no more. I can't continue living this lie and trying to please everybody else. So I basically started Googling and trying to figure out, am I the only woman at 40-something that is gay with kids? So now you no longer were bi. Now you knew. I was never bi. I was scared. You, so usually the transition is bi, then you go into full, you come into yourself. I guess that was the easiest way for me. Mm -hmm. um, because I was not brave like other other people that I've known that came out at 11, 10, 12. Yeah, you had other circumstances that they didn't, so it's, it's a whole different ballpark. Um, so, all right, so when, when was the moment that you decided after you found out you didn't have cancer? Mm, right away. 
What'd you say? How did he take it? Well, the thing is that here and there I went to gay clubs by myself without him, without him knowing, um, because I wanted to just be myself in a way. And you didn't feel guilty because he was verbally abusive and he didn't take care of you that well, right? Yeah. Okay. Bottom mm -hmm. line. Um, but it was, um, you know, now in a modern age, you go through apps. <laughs> and so I started going through Instagram and apps and looking at different people my age. They're like, okay, they're gay and they have a normal life and they're happy. And so that's what I was like, wait a minute. There's more to, you know, this taboo that my family made me believe that there was something wrong with me. I always thought there was something wrong with me. Um, and I didn't want to continue feeling there was something wrong with me because there was nothing wrong with me. It was just the society and what they had put in my mind. Um, and I started going through apps and I started talking to different women that were gay. And feeling more comfortable and seeing more. And yes. And so I went, I met somebody through an app. Who's here right next to you? Next to me. Yes. <laughs> right next to me. And um, we became friends first. You know, we were flirting and stuff, but we became friends. And um, Who flirted first? Me. Yeah, where were you at? Home. What do you mean you were home? Oh, you mean on the, on the app? Yeah. Oh, okay. Because you could text. What was, what was your thoughts when you saw her, her text come through? Wait, coño, What you felt? Hold on, sorry. So, so you're sitting at home and you're on this app. Wow. And her picture, her profile comes through. What were your thoughts at that moment right away? Honestly, through the app, I was always just making friends. I didn't, I was not really concentrating on, oh, this girl's hot. I was just making friends. And saying hi and stuff like yeah. that. Yeah. I was very social. Okay. So then you kept on? And that's what I like, that she was just normal. She was just looking for friends. And that's what I was looking for, too. Um, so we met for coffee. Funny enough, we worked very close to each other. So I was like, oh, how convenient. We can just meet for coffee and see how, you know, what kind of friend we can be. <laughs> friend? Not friend? We'll see. And so... Did you tell her right away you were married? Yes. I never lie. And what were your thoughts? Que paquete. <laughs> <laughs> that means very very Cuban saying what what a joke. <laughs> right? Basically, what a joke? I was married but I was kind of sleeping in the sofa at this point in my life. There was this weekend because things are meant to be this way. There was this weekend that my kids were going to go home and sleep at their friend's house and all that and then my ex was going hunting and I, I had a weekend for myself for the first time in years. And so my first thought was, oh, let me contact and see if we can hang out. So I ended up going to a gay club with, with, with her and another friend. And um, I got drunk, really drunk, like really drunk, like really, really drunk that I even gave my wallet to the, to the, to the bartender, my whole wallet. Who does that? Me. Um, so I ended up sleeping at her house that day and uh, my ex kept texting me and texting me and trying to figure out where I was, where I was, but my phone was off. 
I was drunk. I fell asleep. The next day, my kids were calling me and texting me, trying to figure out, because mama, where's mama? <laughs> I don't disappear, my kids. So bottom line, my ex left. He, or he, he knew? Well, he left because he, he felt that I was cheating on him and that... Wow, well, you were sleeping on the couch already, so there was not much to... It was just meant to be, I guess, Alex. So he just left easily? He left. He left that one Monday night. One Monday, I went to work, and he sent me a huge text that he had taken all his clothes and that he had left. I mean, What did you feel at that moment when you saw that text? What a coward, right? How are you going to text me that you left the house? And After took, all these years. 19 years married. 19 years. But what, did, what was your next what thought? What a relief. Wait, stick it out. What a relief because he was miserable, I was miserable, and he just, I mean, mind you, 19 years, but our, our marriage life was very crazy. Like, we had our ups and downs, like every marriage does, but the last five years were just bad. And if I, if, if, if I hadn't had Adi in my life, I don't know what I would have done. I, what, what was that for you, like, um, having to met this woman that came into your life um that you never expected to have in your life that's married with kids divorce everything what were you thinking at this moment because it's amazing what love does huh it was an adventure adventure <laughs> <laughs> yes it was very challenging well what would you say was the most challenging out of this whole situation and that moment of your relationship listening to someone go through such a difficult traumatic uh, divorce um, the most and not just anybody someone that you have feelings for right yeah well the feelings grew because I was very reserved about my feelings with somebody that was married and going through so many things so, so you were being cautious yeah very for at least the first year because at any point any, anything could happen you never know any twists and turns so I wasn't very um, uh, invested. Um, I just was more uh, concentrating on being the friend and helping her through the difficult times because she was very emotional, a very a lot of ups and downs. So I just wanted to be her support system because I wasn't going to let her... Uh, torture herself anymore because she would think that she would had to go back to this man because uh whatever reason yeah so i needed to make sure that i can provide that support because there was a lot going on and how thankful are you that you had this support here very much so let's talk about this transition so now you're getting a divorce of course, the divorce was held. Had to come out to my sons. You had to, exactly, that's where I was going at. So you had to come out to them. What was their reaction? Did they ever know that you were by? They, they know nothing. So they thought you were totally straight. Yeah. Oh, you're well, not. I had to tell my oldest first. And what was his reaction? Did my dad know? Nope. Did you like girls? <laughs> that what? Did my, oh, did my, okay, did my father know that you like girls? That was his first question. And I said, yes. I never lied to your dad. Okay. Um, but it was very difficult coming out because he was 15. And I, I came out to him first because the father was going to tell him. And I didn't know how he was going to tell him. And I was afraid 
that he was just gonna make it ugly and uncomfortable for my son. Did he ever tell him? I don't know. And your other son, how did he take it? Well, with that one, I took my time because he was younger. Right. So she gave me the idea to show him a show called The Fosters. And that's how I introduced him into what a lesbian couple could be. And you mean show them the L word? I'm just kidding. No, I don't show him the L word. <laughs> we didn't want to scare him. <laughs> but it was a way for him to um, just see the dynamics of what real love is and it's, it surpasses what gender is. Um, so they knew that I was seeing somebody, my youngest, but I never said boy, girl. I was just, mom, is this person Cuban? I'll be like, yes. Uh, but I never said boy or girl. So he, he saw the fosters and you put it together? Uh, yeah, because one day he just out of the blue said, hey, mama, don't take this the wrong way, but are you a lesbian? Just like that. And I was washing dishes, I'll never forget, and I was like frozen. I didn't know what to say to him. I was like, why are you asking me that question? <laughs> and then I said, I'm not ready to talk to you about this right now. I'll talk to you about it another time. So who does she call? Adi, of course, freaking out. What am I supposed to do? What, what did you tell her, Adi, at that moment? I told her that was the perfect opportunity. <laughs> <laughs> but I didn't. Uh, we did speak about a week later, and he said something else, and he said, he, she. And I said, you know, son, it's not a he, it's a she. So I chose Halloween for him to meet her. Um, what did you dress up as? Adi. <laughs> and my friend. I don't want to scare him. <laughs> yeah, so she came out with a whole bowl of candy and gave him the whole bowl. And then the first reaction to my son was like, what am I supposed to do with this bowl? I just put it in the back. <laughs> Wait, it was both of our decisions to uh, be very patient and not rush into any decisions. It was just completely just friends coming over and hanging out. If there's any advice you want to give any mothers out there that's going through that situation and they have kids, what would it be? Don't feel guilty for trying to be happy. Don't try to be something you're not. And don't try to change who you are to please others. Because nice. at the end of the day, if you're happy with yourself, nobody else around you will be happy, including your kids. I'm always going to hold a special place in my heart for him because he is the father of my kids. But he does want nothing to do with me. If there is a message, and let's say he hears his podcast, and he's listening right now, what would you tell him? Thank you for being my biggest teacher. And what would you tell your 15-year-old self? Don't be so hard on yourself. Trust yourself. First and foremost, love yourself and just don't be so hard. You're going to make mistakes. You're human. You're not perfect. Nobody's perfect. Give yourself a break. That's what I would say. Okay, so there's one more thing. Don't fall off the pod! Do more in pod with me if you have not done so. Go to the App Store and download our app. You can also go to alexjagyard.com 
And we are also on social media. On Facebook, you can go and follow us on Pod With Me, AJA. On Twitter, it's Alex J. Aguiar. And on Instagram, it's Pod With Me. This is Alex J. Aguiar, and thank you for listening. And remember, don't fall off the pod. Let's get a sound check. Ready.